Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. It says, Soon afterwards he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of Yahweh. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary called Magdalene. Seven demons had come out of her. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. May Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. It's been a little while since we were in the Gospel of Luke, but even with so many things going on in my mind right now, and there's a ton of them going on in my brain, I kept feeling led to get back to verse-by-verse exposition of the Bible. Uh, That's my favorite way to teach the Bible. I believe that's the best way that the Bible be taught is verse-by-verse exposition. It feeds me, and I believe it feeds the sheep. And so that's what we're going to do. Topical sermons are good, but most preachers who only preach topical sermons on subjects pick the same subjects over and over, and I would do the same thing if I only preached on topics because I have my favorite subjects just like everybody else. And so when I preach books of the Bible verse by verse, it forces me to preach on things that I probably wouldn't pick to preach on or about. And that's what we're going to do tonight in Luke chapter 8. It's three simple verses. I think you'll see there's more than meets the eye in these three verses. But I wouldn't normally say, hey, I'm going to preach on Luke 8, 1 through 3 next Sabbath. That wouldn't be my choice. But when we preach through books of the Bible, I've made it up to Luke 8. It helps us to do that. And it helps us to learn everything that the Bible said, the sum of Yahweh's Word. Psalm 119, verse 160 of the American Standard Bible says, The sum of thy word is truth. S-U-M. Acts chapter 20, one of the things that the Apostle Paul told the elders of Ephesus, when they hugged him and kissed him and he was going to leave them, and that was the last time that they would see each other, he told them, he said, I have not shrinked back from declaring to you the whole counsel of Yahweh. Everything, every truth in Yahweh's Word, they're all important. Some are more important than others. They're all important. So we have three simple verses sandwiched between some deep material. If you remember last time I taught through Luke, at the end of Luke chapter 7, which was a very deep passage, I believe, was the passage where there was the woman whose sins were many, and she washed Yeshua's feet with her tears and then dried them with her hair. And he said, Thy sins, daughter, be forgiven. We know the Pharisees didn't like that. But Yeshua came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so that was a deep passage. And then after this text, we'll get into, in the near future, in Luke 8, verses 4 through 15, is the parable of the soils. I'm very excited about that. I think there's a lot of depth in that parable and a lot of truth. A lot of things, I think, maybe have went overlooked by people in Christianity. But we're going to be getting to that soon. But tonight, I'm going to talk about Luke 8, 1 through 3, because that's where we're at in our study through Luke. And this talks about the ministry of Yeshua, what He did, who was with Him, things that seem small to us. When we're reading through the Gospel, we get to the first three verses of Luke 8, and it's kind of like a bridge from one major in-depth text to another major in-depth text, it's just a bridge that tells us a little, about, little bit about the ministry of the Messiah. And that's really the first point in my sermon. We read the text, and it's very small, and it might seem insignificant, but the first point, and really the main point, the main thrust for edification to the body in this sermon is this, is we tend to have a mentality today that says, go big or go home. That's a famous quotation in this day and time. But big in Yahweh's sight is not always big in man's sight. What we see here in Luke 8 is we have Yeshua the Messiah. We have His 12 disciples. Remember the word disciple means pupil or student. They're sitting up under the teacher, the rabbi, Yeshua of Nazareth. We have Him, His 12 disciples, And we have some women whose names really weren't big in society. As a matter of fact, some of these women were looked down upon by the religious leaders in that day. But Yeshua was faithful in the work that Yahweh called Him to do. And that's big to Yahweh. 
doing what Yahweh has commissioned you or called you to do is big to Yahweh. Going big in the eyes of the world is not always the best. Sure, sometimes Yahweh will make a true ministry be big in scope, but more often than not, Yahweh's ministries seem small and insignificant to the world. But so long as those ministries do what Yahweh has called them to do and are faithful to what His Word says, those small ministries in the world's eyes are big ministries in Yahweh's eyes. Each one of you here has a ministry. Every one of you here. Now that sounds strange because we think that the word ministry means that you have to be a preacher up here like what I'm doing right now. Well, Brother Matthew is a minister. But no, a minister means, the literal meaning of the word minister, is one who serves. Somebody who serves. Serves Yahweh, serves other people. This means that every wife who wakes up and takes care of her children and changes a diaper and keeps her home, teaches her children, loves her husband, she is performing a ministry to Yahweh every day that she does that. She's using the gifts that Yahweh has given her to serve her husband and her children. That's a ministry. Same for every husband who wakes up, works, labors with his hands by the sweat of his face, does honest quality work for the community, serves the community, provides for his family, He may never step behind a pulpit. He may not be an outspoken person. Every day, though, that he does that for his family and for the community that he serves in his vocation, that's his ministry. That's his service to other people. And even the children, from the smallest to the oldest child in here, under their parents, when you obey your parents, when you do chores around the house, when you help mom and dad with day-to-day things and respect your elders... You're ministering. You're serving. That's a ministry, children. That's a ministry. Ministering does not mean you have to be up here preaching like me. Ministering does not mean that you have to be in charge of hundreds or thousands of people. Ministering does not mean you have to have a TV ministry or a radio ministry or go to another country to do missionary work. Yes, some of Yahweh's children could have those bigger, what we would consider in the natural, bigger ministries, but they're no greater or less than your ministry as Yahweh's child so long as you're faithfully doing what Yahweh has placed you to do. Don't think that it's way down here and you see Brother Matthew preaching up here and you think, well, he's got the biggest ministry in the church. No, no. There's no big eyes. There's no little U's. We're all Yahweh's children. Your ministry is just as important so long as you're faithful in doing what Yahweh has called you to do. Yahweh's biggest ministries are sometimes unknown to the masses. Unknown to the masses because big to Yahweh is faithfully staying true to what His calling for you is. I was listening to Sister Danae and it brought me to tears. And usually she does when she speaks because I believe she speaks from her heart. And I was listening to her talking about little Ava, whom we love and cherish. And every morning when she wakes up and she takes care of Ava and the other two children that she has as well, that's a ministry. She's ministering in the vocation that Yahweh has put her in as a mother. I know that that vocation in the eyes of the world seems to be very peon in this day and time. My daughter told somebody the other day that her desire and her dream for life is to grow up and be a good wife and a good mother. And they think, well, that's ridiculous. But my daughter said, praise Yahweh, that she said, what greater thing could I do with my life than to serve my husband and train my children? Oh, hallelujah, praise Yahweh. All those years of teaching and training are paying off now when the children grow old. Those are ministries. The man who never preaches, the man who shares the gospel with people that he meets when he's dirty at work. That's his ministry. That's what Yahweh has called him to do. Don't ever feel less because your ministry is not big in the world's eyes. 
And Yeshua is the best example of this. He was born in Nazareth, a town that does not even exist anymore. He was laid in the feeding trough. He was from a lowly family. He was nothing flashy. But yet He always sought to do the Father's will. I was reading last night in John 14, 23-24, somewhere right around in there. He said, The words that I speak are not my own, but the Father that speaketh in and through me. He always sought to do His Father's will. His ministry never was flashy. His ministry never was hanging out with the religious people that everybody probably thought He should hang out with in order to have an effect on society, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Sure, He had some friends of them, but most of the time His ministry was with the lowly, with the prostitutes, with the tax collectors, was with the people who were lost, who needed a physician, the people that no one else would hang out with. That's where His ministry took Him. He was faithful in doing what Yahweh had called Him to do. And look how much His ministry, not flashy, but yet doing what Yahweh's will was for Him, look how great His ministry and how many people His ministry has affected over the last 2,000 years. He's the best example of this at all. I heard a man one time say this. He said, if you take care of the depth of your ministry, Yahweh, or the Father, will take care of the breadth of your ministry. Quit worrying so much about the quantity of people that you feel you are reaching, and just stay faithful and do well in what Yahweh has called you to do. Do the best that you can in the place that Yahweh has placed you. The very best that you can, because anything worth doing is worth doing right. Amen? Do the best that you can. And if you take care of the depth of your ministry, Yahweh will take care of who it affects and how far it goes out. Amen? I believe that Yahweh has called me to teach the Bible. I work and labor with my hands, my vocations. I'm a husband. I'm a dad, I'm a septic tank man. These are some of the vocations that Yahweh has called me to do. Important things. You may think, vocations, those things are not that important. They're all important. Yahweh has put them in my life to take care of my family. Those are part of what I do. Yahweh, I believe, has also called me to teach the Bible. I firmly believe that. And it's not by my own doing, but I'm able to operate in those gifts of the Spirit, the Word of Wisdom and Word of Knowledge. Those come naturally to me. Sometimes I wonder why even when I don't feel like teaching, I'm like Jeremiah a lot of times, I don't feel like preaching, I don't feel like teaching, but I can't help it because it's like fire in my bones and shut up in my bosom, just like Jeremiah said. I can't help but desire to teach people about Yahweh's Word, to teach the Bible. I've had elders much older than me confirm that to me and say, Brother Matthew, Yahweh has definitely called you to be a teacher of the Bible. And Yahweh has put me to teach the Bible right here in this little church off of this dirt road in Conyers, Georgia. That's where Yahweh has put me to teach the Bible. There have been many times where I have tried to move away. And Yahweh never allowed me to do so. The older I get and the more time that goes by, I see more clearly why He wants me and my family right here. I do. There may come a time when He moves me. There may not. I may still be up here teaching the Bible when I'm 80 years old and white here. I may still be here. I don't know. If that is what Yahweh causes me to do, and if the only people that we have in this congregation are still the people that are sitting in here today, then so be it. We're going to continue to teach through the Bible to feed the sheep. That's what I'm going to do as long as Yahweh allows me to do it, verse by verse exposition. I'll teach through the whole Bible if I get a chance to do it, Old and New Testaments alike. And I'm going to be faithful to what Yahweh has called me to do. I'm going to take care of the depth of my ministry and I'm going to let Yahweh worry about the breadth of my ministry, how far and how many people it affects. I'm, going to let, I'm not in that department. That's too high of a pay grade for me. I don't belong up there. That's Almighty Yahweh. He can take care of that. I'm doing my little part that Yahweh has called me to do. I don't have to worry about who it affects. Yahweh will cause it to affect exactly who He wants it to affect if I stay faithful to the ministry that Yahweh has placed me in. And that does not just go for me. Remember, that goes for all of you. Do well with the ministry that Yahweh has given you and placed you in. 
you know there are certain things that you are good at. And the odds are, if you excel in a certain area of your life, the odds are that is a special gift that Yahweh has given you to minister in in your life. You do that well. Take care of the depth. Yahweh will take care of the breath. That's really what our text is about today. It seems very insignificant. But we take care of the depth and let Yahweh decide the rest. Let's get back to our text, Luke 8, verse 1. Soon afterwards, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of Yahweh, and the twelve were with him. Soon afterwards refers to soon after the woman had washed his feet at the end of Luke 7. And we see Yeshua here traveling to different towns and preaching because he was an itinerant preacher, an itinerant rabbi, which the word rabbi means teacher, teacher of the law, teacher of the Torah. He was a traveling teacher. And the text tells us that a big part of his preaching was about the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. The kingdom that he was the king and the kingdom that you could be part of if you trusted in him if you relied and placed your faith in Him. The text also tells us that the twelve, referring to His disciples, were with Him while He traveled from town to town. And when Yeshua goes to these different towns, we never see Him caring about the size of the town or the crowd which He taught. I would like to have the same mindset all the time that my Master had. I don't. Because there's been times when I've taught or sang, or ministered, and I thought, why are there not more people here to listen? What does Yahweh have me doing out here? Teaching a person or two, or singing to a handful, four or five people. Why am I out here? This is a waste of time. No, it's not. That's me thinking in my flesh. Yeshua never said that. Wherever he went, he knew Yahweh has placed me here and I'm going to do well at what Yahweh has called me to do. My dad has told me a story many times. Sometimes I think he forgot that he told me before and so he tells me again. (laughs) But I listen because I love to hear my dad tell stories. He told me a story one time about how he went into a church he was scheduled to preach at. And he walked into the church a good hour before church started, and as usual, when you come into a church an hour before the service, nobody's there. That's normal. I usually get here early, and sometimes I get here and nobody's here, or just a handful of people are here. The closer time gets for church service, the more people show up. Well, that wasn't the case this time with my dad. The closer that church service time came, nobody was coming in. 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, nobody's there. Nobody showed up. The time came for the service to start, and my dad said he prayed about it, and he started the service, and there was nobody there. He got on the piano, he went through praise and worship, nobody was there. And he praised, and he worshipped. He got up, he read the announcements, nobody was there. He got ready to preach, and as he began to preach, he said there was a man that walked in from the back. He didn't know the man. He didn't know who he was. He sat down in the back of the church, very last pew. My dad said his message wasn't that long, maybe 25 minutes, something like that. He got through, and he prayed, and he dismissed the service. The man walked up to him and said, I don't know who you are. I just walked in here. I needed some relief. And your message was exactly what I needed to hear. One man. He left. He never saw him since. I'm not saying that that man was an angel. He could have been. He could not have been. He may have been just a regular guy. But you know the Bible does say that we are to be careful when we entertain strangers. Because sometimes when we entertain strangers, people that we don't know, we're entertaining angels without realizing it. My dad was faithful in the place that Yahweh put him in that day. And it touched and it reached exactly who Yahweh wanted it to reach, even if it was just one person. You take care of the depth. Let Yahweh worry about the breadth. Do the best that you possibly can in the area Yahweh has placed you in. Be the best husband, 
be the best wife, be the best dad, be the best mom, be the best child, be the best student, laborer, cook, septic man, painter, lawn care man. Do your ministry, which is your service to the community. Do it as unto the Master. Everything you do, I think Paul writes to the Colossian church, do it as unto the Master. And Yahweh will take care of how far it goes when we do this. Because Yahweh knows exactly what He needs your ministry to do. Don't feel inadequate. Yeshua didn't feel inadequate. If there was one to teach to, He would teach. If there was 5,000 to teach to, He would teach. Don't feel inadequate if your ministry does not go far or does not get noticed by man. Because it does not matter what man or how many men notice your ministry. That doesn't matter. Boy, it sure does to our flesh. We want people to see what we're doing when we do things for the, for the king. We want people to notice, and it feels good. And let me say this. If we see somebody doing something, and they're doing it well, we should tell them, thank you, that is encouraging. I appreciate the ministry that you're in. But if nobody ever comes up to us and tells us, don't worry about it. Yahweh's eyes are in heaven, and they roam to and fro about the earth, and they don't just behold that which is evil. They also behold every good and perfect work here on the earth. So worry about the King that sees. Your work and your labor of love that you show towards His name is not in vain, sons and daughters. It's not in vain. It may seem like it's not going far. But what's far in your eyes and in the world's eyes is not far in Yahweh's eyes. Do it well. So long as you're faithful, biblically, you're doing fine. Don't think that your ministry is common because if you're doing it as unto Yahweh, it's no longer common. It's holy. It's set apart. So Yeshua was traveling around preaching about the kingdom, inviting people to come into the kingdom, the king and his dominion. This is what the word kingdom means. And that's what we are to be seeking every day. And there is a sense in which the kingdom is already. And there is a sense in which the kingdom is not yet. You'll find that in the Bible with many things. I hear a lot of people in our ranks say things like, well, nobody is saved now. Everybody's just going to be saved in the future. That's not true. The Bible says that we have been saved, we are saved, and we will be saved. That's the theology of the Bible. I'm not telling you I can figure out everything about it, but that's what the Bible says. It talks about you have been saved. You have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. It talks about that you are saved right now from your sins. And it talks about that you will be saved when the finality of the kingdom comes. And it's the same thing in the Bible. You can go to passages that say that the kingdom is right now. And that's true. In one sense, the kingdom is now. The king has already came the first time. He inaugurated it. That's the stone kingdom in Daniel chapter 2. That stone kingdom doesn't start with the second coming. That stone kingdom started with the first coming. But there is also other passages in the Bible that talks about the kingdom being expected and waited for. I think it was Joseph of Arimathea. It said after he took the body of Yeshua down off the cross, he was a righteous man expecting for the kingdom to come. In Luke chapter 19, Yeshua taught a parable about a man who went on a far journey. He says he was talking about the kingdom. And this man went on a far journey and he told this, the stewards of his property. He said, I'm leaving and I'm going to be gone for a while. And while I'm gone, occupy, take care of business while I'm gone. You don't know when I'm going to come back, but I'm going to be back. But it's going to be a while because I'm leaving and going on a far journey. That's talking about the kingdom not being yet. So we're seeking the kingdom, the part that we can seek now and the part that we still are to pray. Matthew chapter 6, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's what we are to pray. Every day we should pray that. Every day, pray thy kingdom come. So praise Yahweh, He was teaching the kingdom. That's what we're to seek. Seek ye first the kingdom of Yahweh. And all these other things will take care of themselves. Seek first the kingdom. Seek it first. When we invite sinners to come into the kingdom, which is what we should do, the invitation that we give them, the kingdom invitation, is not enter the kingdom and everything in your life will now be okay. Everything in your life will work out smoothly now. Yeshua never taught that. Brother Lon quoted the passage. He said, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And sometimes a man's enemies will be they of his own household. Everything, when you enter into the kingdom now, when you have your sins forgiven now, that does not mean that everything is going to be perfect. 
It doesn't mean, if you look, if I had a chart where I could show you the life, the, the sanctification in the life of a believer, it would zigzag. You would start right here when you're, when you're saved from your sins. And you, at, right when you're saved, you get excited and you go up. And then all of a sudden you go back down. And that's the life of a believer. Up and down, up and down. And then finally, in the finality of the kingdom, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain, no more fretting. Everything is taken care of. And you've got a new body and it doesn't get sick anymore. So don't think when you come into the kingdom, Yeshua wasn't kingdom teaching. Everything now is peaches and cream. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine now. You're not having any more problems. Isn't that wonderful? Joel Osteen smile, white teeth. No, that's not what Yeshua was teaching. That's not what Yeshua was teaching. But what He was teaching, a big part of the kingdom now theology is this. When you enter into the kingdom, oh sinner, when you come into the kingdom, your sins will be forgiven and thrown away as far as the east is from the west. I never get tired of hearing that. Never get tired of hearing that. Because I know I'm a chief sinner, like Apostle Paul said. I'm chief. But Yahweh has forgiven me for my sins. He has forgiven me and thrown them away. And I'm so thankful that I'm not a licentious man. But, but by the grace of Almighty Yahweh, I'm like Paul, I am who I am today. By the grace of Yahweh. By the grace of Yahweh. So now in the kingdom, when, we, when our sins are forgiven, we now, kingdom living is not about fulfilling our selfish desires. It's not about me, myself, and I. That's society nowadays. If it doesn't benefit me, why do I need to put any time into it? That's not what the kingdom's about. The kingdom's about giving up yourself, serving Yahweh, serving other people in your vocation, wherever Yahweh has placed you. That's what Yeshua was preaching when He went from town to town. The good news of the kingdom. I'm the king. Let me tell you about my dominion. Let me tell you that your sins can be forgiven. You can serve Yahweh, serve other people, and one day you can live forever without dying in the kingdom finality. Kingdom living is living life like the king wants you to live. Not living life like we want to live, but like the king wants you to live. Giving up your own desires. Desiring what he wants. Giving up serving yourself and serving others. That's all kingdom stuff. And it's good stuff. That's what Yeshua was preaching here in Luke 8.1 to the towns that he went to, along with his twelve students. Look at verse 2. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses, Mary called Magdalene, seven demons had come out of her. There were twelve disciples following Yeshua at this point, but there were also women. The text says also some women were following with Him from town to town as He preached the good news of the kingdom. Now sometimes women feel insignificant in kingdom work. But sisters, you're not. You're not insignificant. Your work is just as needed in the body as my work or any man's work. It is true that in the Bible, male and female have different roles in kingdom work. That is true. We don't morph into something else when we're saved. Some people quote that passage in Galatians that says there's neither male nor female in Christ and then they start teaching all kind of crazy stuff. We don't cease to be male and female when we come to Christ. What that passage is saying is that you can have two lost sheep, one a male, one a female, and both of them can have salvation in Christ. That's what it's saying. Women are not insignificant in their work that they're called to do. The key is is that we understand we're all important in what we're doing. Sisters, I speak to the women of Yahweh. Sisters, never think that what you do in your life from day to day is insignificant. Never think that. Every day, sisters, every day that you awake and you fulfill the vocation that Yahweh has put you in, every little step that you take is service to Yahweh. Every step. Yahweh sees it all. Yahweh knows it all. I often, because I love to eat, I love to eat. Anybody else love to eat? I do. I'm not ashamed to say that. I enjoy eating, right? The Bible says that that's okay if you do that. Because I love to eat, I often think about all of the great feast meals that we have here at this congregation. 
and the super good cooking that we eat from all the sisters who can cook so much better than me. <laughs> I've tried to cook before and I follow that recipe and it just don't work. It just don't turn out right. <laughs> when Tisha does it, she don't even need a recipe, you know, and Yahweh has given her that to do. And I'm I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I don't have to come to the feast and eat bad foods. <laughs> I would hate it if 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 you know, we didn't have good feast meals like that. But do you know this? Let me tell you this, sisters. Every time that you cook a dish and you bring it here for a dinner, that is part of a ministry that you have. That's a ministry. That is part of what these women, we're going to get to it in a second, that is part of what these women were doing for Yeshua and His twelve disciples. That's a ministry. That does not go overlooked by Yahweh. It may seem insignificant to the eyes of man. does not go overlooked by Yahweh. Nothing goes overlooked by Him. Every time anyone helps out around the assembly here, that's part of your ministry. Every time my wife has helped me with something like mail-outs, mailing things out, many times she's helped me with that. That's part of her ministry. That's part one way that she serves me as her husband. And likewise, every, every day, even the days I don't feel like going out to work, every day I go out to work to provide for my wife, I am ministering to her. It's not insignificant. It's not even common. It's holy work. When it's done to Yahweh. I want you to notice, too, what's said about this first woman, Mary Magdalene. The word Magdalene, it's just a designation because she came from the town or the city of Magdala. And there were many Marys. They did not have surnames or last names back then like we have today. A lot of times they were known as Rocky, son of Rocket, not Rocky Smith. Or Tim, son of Leon, not Tim Wilting. They didn't have surnames like we do now. So Mary, there was many Marys, so they called this one Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala. It is said here that Mary Magdalene had seven demons come out of her. Now that's a lot. That's a lot. We might look at somebody with a past like that and think they're not really worthy to be following around Christ. It really should be this other sister over here who's never been demon-possessed and she's always been faithful. She needs to be the one that follows around Christ. We might think that, but if we thought that, we would be wrong. Because Yeshua is in the deliverance ministry. And He saves sinners from their sins. And He can save demon-possessed people from their demons. And this woman had seven of them. See, none of us are worthy ourselves to follow the Messiah. We are not even worthy to stoop down and loosen the strap of His sandal. But because of grace and mercy, He delivers us, He cleanses our past, He gives us a hope, and He gives us a future in Him. This was Mary Magdalene. She had been delivered from sevenfold demon possession and now she was placed right next to the Messiah, following Him around from town to town, taking care of His needs, as we'll read shortly. Do you know that your testimony is a sign of the greatness and the power of Yahweh? Where He has brought you from is nothing to be ashamed of. It is something to celebrate because look at where you were and look at where you are now because Yahweh is in the deliverance ministry. He sent His Son to be in the deliverance ministry. Nothing is too difficult for Him. We might think that person cannot be saved. We might think they're too far gone. They're too big of a sinner. No, Yahweh is in the deliverance ministry. A lot of people probably thought Mary Magdalene, she was the one that was possessed with seven demons. What's she doing following around the Master? She's not worthy to do that. And the reality is neither are they worthy to do that. But because Yahweh chooses who He chooses, He had grace and mercy on Mary Magdalene, He healed her through His Son from demonic possession sevenfold and then placed her right there at this point in Yeshua's ministry with the Master. Yahweh has delivered Mary Magdalene and Yahweh has delivered you and that's a sign not to judge you but to proclaim His power in you. 
to proclaim His power in you. And everyone listening to this sermon today, here in the congregation, over the phone, on the website, all of us have a past. All of us have a past. All of us have things in our life that we are not pleased with. All of us have things in our life in the past that Yahweh is not pleased with. But I want you to know today that Yeshua the Messiah is in the deliverance ministry. No matter what you have done, He can deliver you. If, if you will confess your sin and repent of your sin and quit worrying about everybody else and start worrying about yourself. Confess your sin to Yahweh. Repent of your sin to Yahweh. If you do that, He will wash you whiter than snow. And He will forgive all the murky waters of your past and everything that you've done. That's what Yahweh sent His Son to do. Wipe people's slates clean. I don't care what your past looks like. I don't even care what your present might look like right now. Yahweh can deliver you. Yahweh can heal you. Yahweh can set you free. Yahweh can call something that you're in bondage to to be let go of by the power of His Spirit that worketh in you, both to will and to do according to His good pleasure. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. Yahweh knows. And He still sends His Son as His Lamb. The blood of that precious Lamb is still as strong today as it was back then with Mary Magdalene. Just like it cleansed Mary Magdalene of her past, it can cleanse you of your past or your present right now, right now at this very time. Maybe you're not a person that's already been delivered. Maybe you need deliverance right now. Maybe you, as you're listening to me preach, need deliverance right now. Maybe there's sins in your life you're not willing to let go of. And there's things that you want to hold on to. Listen, don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't. Let go of it. Let go of it. Let Yahweh be king of your life. Yahweh is powerful enough to take a woman who was demon-possessed seven times over and change her into a woman who was now indwelt with the Holy Spirit of Yahweh, which is more powerful than any demon of darkness ever could be. And if Yahweh is for us, brothers and sisters, who in the world can be against us? And that doesn't mean we need to be all like crazy and think that we have the power, but we even like the angel, the archangel Michael, we speak to the enemy and we say, Yahweh rebuke you. We do not think that we are doing the rebuking. We say, Yahweh rebuke you. And the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that Yeshua had, He had it without measure, we have it a portion with measure. The same Spirit that dwelt in Him dwells in us now, if we're believers. And if Yahweh is in us, it's more powerful than any demon of darkness could ever be. Your sin, listen to me, brothers and sisters, listen to me. I don't know who in here needs this. I don't know who listening on the phone needs this or who might need this five years from now. Your sin is not too great for Yahweh to forgive. Because He comes, He sent His Son to seek and to save that which was lost. And every time that Yahweh, through His Son, finds one of His sheep, the reason He has to find them is because they're lost. That's why. Brothers and sisters, you've heard me say this before and it bears repeating. We do not find Yahweh. Yahweh finds us. We're not seeking Yahweh. There's no one who seeks after Yahweh of their own flesh. Yahweh finds us. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah that He does. He never turns away a broken heart and a contrite spirit. You may be way far off track from Yahweh's law today. But if you have a broken heart and a contrite spirit and you cry out to Him... He will not turn that away. It doesn't matter what you know or what you understand. You might not know anything about His Word. What He sees is brokenness. He's near. Psalm 34 says He's near to the brokenhearted. I've said this before, and this has really been in my spirit and on my mind lately, so I'm going to preach it again tonight. If you want Yahweh to get serious with you, then get serious with Him. 
get broken with Him. Yes, that might take prayer, unusually, prayer in your life. Yes, that might take fasting in your life. But if you want Yahweh to get serious with you, then make sure that you're letting Him know, I'm serious, Father Yahweh. I'm calling out to you. I am broken. I cannot pick up the pieces. I cannot fix myself. I need help and I need it now. You get serious with Yahweh and He will get serious with you. And He will work things out for you. Whether you're a saint or a sinner, brokenness, Yahweh is near to. And He will fix it for you. You say, but I've often gotten off track, Brother Matthew. Often. Well, so have I, my friend. So have I. So has Brother Matthew. Many times. But Yeshua is waiting there with open arms, waiting to hug you back into the fold. He seeks and He saves that which was lost. You're not too far gone. Come to the shepherd, O lost sheep. Come to the shepherd. He's a loving shepherd. He's a loving shepherd of His sheep. Finally, verse 3 out of Luke 8. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. Here we have more women mentioned in the text. Joanna, Susanna, many other women it says, and they were all following Yeshua. And it's because they're not insignificant. They're part of the kingdom too. In Acts chapter 8, when Philip was baptizing people, it says, and there were also women who got baptized. Because in Christ there's neither male nor female. All these women were following Yeshua. They were with Him as He traveled preaching about the kingdom. They were not left out. They were not considered insignificant. They were treasures. They were priceless. But I want you to notice how their ministry is described here in verse 3. The text in verse 3 at the end says that they were supporting Him from their possessions. In other words, they were supporting Yeshua's ministry materially. That was part of their ministry to the king. One great way that you can be involved in the ministry is to support a preacher of the kingdom. I don't talk much about giving offerings in this congregation. And people still give offerings, so that's wonderful. I don't talk much about it. And the reason I don't is because I feel that it has been abused so much by the modern day church world. I don't feel it. I know it has. I know it has. It's not biblical the way that they do it. It's not biblical for a person to think that God owes them a so many million and million and million of dollar jet. That's not biblical. That man is not sent by Yahweh anyhow. Okay? But it's not biblical for a preacher, a paid minister I mean, and paid ministers are scriptural, but it's not biblical for a paid minister to live lavishly while there's people in the congregation that are poor and needy. It's true, and it has been abused in the church world today. It's crazy. They're hirelings. They make merchandise off of people. If they would listen to the apostles, Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5 that if a man seeks the office of the elder, he's not even to be allowed to be an elder if he's greedy for money. Greedy of filthy lucre. King James Version says that. In other words, that's money, 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 money. That's all he wants from preaching. He builds up this big edifice, and he wears the three-piece suit, and he's got all the nice vehicles and it's all being paid for by the congregation. That's wrong. There's nothing wrong with the minister being supported to to what he needs by a congregation. I'm talking about full time. There's nothing wrong with that. It can be done properly. The problem is it has been abused so much that there's very, very few that do it properly anymore. Well, our Messiah and His disciples were some that did it properly. They were supported from the possessions of these women. The Bible does teach, as we see right here, that it is a righteous thing for those in the family of Yahweh who are not preachers to support those who preach materially. There's nothing wrong with supporting a pastor and there's nothing wrong with that pastor accepting support. There's also nothing wrong with the pastor not wanting support and working and laboring with his own hands. That doesn't mean he's more righteous than the one that does accept support because the one that does accept support has biblical backing for the support that he's accepting. But it all needs to be done biblically, faithful to the Word. So our Master did it. The Son of Yahweh received offering, material things from other people for the spiritual things that he sowed. He was not wrong when he did that. When these women cooked him a meal, he ate it. When these women sewed him a tunic, he wore it. 
When these women washed his feet, he did not reject it. These are all supporting Yeshua and his disciples materially because Yeshua is sowing spiritual things to them. We will get to this later on in our study through Luke, but look at Luke chapter 10. Just turn a few pages. Luke chapter 10, 5 through 9. And this is where he's sending out 70 of his students. He had 12 students very, very close to him that followed him everywhere he went. But that does not mean that he did not have more students than just the 12. Here in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says he appointed 70 others. And he sent out these men to do the work of an evangelist. To go into the towns and to preach the good news of the kingdom. Look what he says in Luke 10, 5 through 9. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this household. If a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Now what kind of work is Yeshua and his the 70 here doing? They're not performing manual labor. They're preaching. They're sowing spiritual things. They're preaching the good news of the kingdom. But they're called workers because they're sent out into the harvest of souls. And the worker is worthy of his wages. And so when they cooked for him or when they gave him a glass of water, he drank the water and he ate the food and he didn't have to pay them for it because he was the way that he was supporting them was through the preaching of the Word. Verse 8. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you. A lot of people try to read all kind of junk into that verse. But the whole context of the verse is talking about just being supported in your ministry. We know this is not talking about eating unclean. That's, that's ridiculous for somebody to force fit that into this verse. He's going around to these towns. They're law-abiding citizens. He's trying to preach to them about the kingdom. And they're setting kosher meals in front of him. And he's eating them and he's not having to pay them for it. He's being supported. They're being supported, the 70. Heal the sick who are there, verse 9, and tell them the kingdom of Yahweh has come near to you. So there's a lot in this text, but I just want to point out that Yeshua here is commissioning His students, telling them when they go to a city to preach and they find a peaceful house, they're to stay there and eat and drink. Whatever is offered to them, water is payment and support to that disciple. Food is payment to that support, to that disciple, of what that disciple is giving that town spiritually. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I would urge you to read it. The Apostle Paul says, the preacher sows spiritual things and he reaps natural things from the people. It's talking about preaching the good news of the kingdom, the righteousness of the word. It's okay for him to be supported in his ministry. My point in saying all this is not to take up an offering. That's not my point. I'm not fixing to start passing the plate. We don't. We never passed a plate here. And as long as I'm preaching here, we never will pass a plate. I don't see it in the Bible. I don't know where it came from, but it's a tradition of man. And I think it pressures people to give openly rather than in secret like Yeshua taught us to do in Matthew chapter 6. So we don't keep a tally. We don't treat you no better if you give more or treat you no worse if you give less. Sometimes those that give less are really giving more because they give out of their lack instead of out of their abundance. Yeshua taught that. My point is not to take up an offering. My point in preaching this is not to urge you to give to me. That's not my point. I preach it because it's in our text. And I preach the Bible. And when we come to a verse that talks about it, we have to talk about it. They were supporting Him with their possessions. My point is just to say that for you that are not preachers, it is a righteous work. It's part of your ministry. It's a righteous work for you to find a man who preaches the Word, truly preaches the Word, and help him materially in whatever way you can. That's a righteous work for you to do. Please be careful though, brothers and sisters, please be careful who you give to in the teaching ministry. Don't give to someone who is out there spreading falsehood. Don't give to someone who's greedy of money and talks about giving directly to him or her every service or every TV broadcast or every radio broadcast and that's all you hear them talk about over and over and over and sow a seed to this ministry and they're making a killing because they're greedy of filthy lucre. Second Peter chapter 2 talks about them. They make merchandise of the people. And they say, we've got this free love gift to give you, this Bible here. And it's free if you'll just send a donation of $99.95. 
I've heard people say crazy stuff like that. Don't give to those people. Don't give to people like that. Come across the TV screen that say, touch your hand right now when I put my hand up here. Don't do that. And there's a woman out there with a yellow blouse on. Do you know how many women's wearing yellow blouses when that guy's up there on that TV? Don't listen to those people. They will steer you in the wrong direction. You listen. Listen to a man who is faithful at teaching the Word of Yahweh. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, verse 17. Listen to this. This is what Paul said. He said, Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. Notice again, work hard. We wouldn't necessarily associate the word work with preaching and teaching. Paul does, and Yeshua does. Luke 10, a worker is worthy of his wages. 1 Timothy 5, they work hard at preaching and teaching. If they rule well, they need to be paid well. That's what Paul wrote to Timothy. Find men like that, support them in the ways that you can, and let me tell you this, you will reap the benefit. Yahweh will bless you in that work of your ministry. He will. So there we have these three little verses. Not a whole lot, but then again, I think it was a whole lot, probably a lot more than you expected and even I expected when I studied these verses. And the reason it's a lot is because it's part of the Word. It's ever-living. It's ever-breathing. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It discerns. It divides. It comforts. It disciplines. The reason it's a lot is because it's from the Word. Don't let this be the only time that you read or look at the Word this week. You open it up every day. And like I said, don't think that you've got to read so many chapters a day so you can be a righteous person. If all you can consume is three or four verses, then you meditate on those three or four verses all week long and you get them in your soul and in your spirit and you let them feed you every day that you wake up. Pray. Fast. Get on your knees. Seek Yahweh. I guarantee you, Yahweh will show up in your life when you do these things. There's always something to learn from the Word. Every time, every verse, there's always something to learn. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I love You. I love Your people. I pray that You put Luke 8, 1-3 into our spirits, into our souls. And I pray that the words that I spoke from the Word tonight would not fall on deaf ears. I know that apart from Your Spirit, me just talking doesn't do anything. So Father Yahweh, attach Your Spirit to the message that I just preached. And Father, heal hearts, heal minds, open up ears, according to Your will for the good. Through your Son, I pray. Amen. Amen.